All right, welcome to another Ember Weekend. Uh, I am Jonathan Jackson here with Chase McCarthy. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing great. How'd you uh, How'd you weather the storm, so to speak? Uh, I drove about like 100 miles out and then uh, drank a bunch of whiskey. Yeah, you know that sounds like a pretty good. That's a winning strategy, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I went. Uh, I think you went. You went north, or did we both go west? Uh, I, west. I also. Yeah, said. you went. You went further west than me. Yeah. Well, anyways, Hurricane Matthew is uh, is over, and our office is still standing. So that's pretty exciting. Right. Everyone got new fences. Yeah, new fences. I mean, yeah, it's great. Uh, people with chainsaws had something to do for a little while. Oh, a lot of chains. Chainsaws got sold. A lot of chainsaws. Um, yeah, so anyways, we made it through the storm, and we're back and ready to uh, start talking about some Ember stuff. A lot of really exciting stuff uh, happened while we were gone, and uh, I am really excited about this week. Yeah, it's going to be great. We have at least two things to talk about. At, at least. Like, our notes say at least two things. I'm really excited. So uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is uh, something that you worked on quite a while ago um, regarding Pretender and, uh, and promises. Yeah. I ran into this case, um, when I first started using Pretender with a, uh, you know, an Ember project that also, uh, that ran inside of Rails. So it was when, uh, we were using Ember CLI Rails, um, which meant Rails was responsible for running, uh, the Ember app. Um, and I was trying to, I believe, mock out an external API call that happened in JavaScript. So it wasn't something that, that came through Rails. It was the, um, you know, the, the, some JavaScript library was calling out. I, it was it was either a OAuth or something, some external call, and uh, there was no there's no uh, facility for that in Rails. And, and if the app was a completely separate Ember app, would have been fine. Um, but these were for like end-to-end integration tests between an Ember and a Rails API. And uh, one of the things that that threw me for a loop after I figured out well maybe Pretender will work for this is that uh, Pretender had no way of saying wait hold on your JavaScript code needs to wait for the Know, the Rails API to respond with some mock data. So I had basically what I was trying to do was mock out this external API call, but I wanted to mock it in Ruby land, um, which meant that the JavaScript code had to call it, Pretender had to intercept it, and instead send it to a specific route in my Rails app to get handled by a mock API, uh, compute the result and come back. But with no promise support, that's not possible. Um, so what I ended up having to do was basically generate um, fake responses on the API side, and then like bake them into the JavaScript for the test runner, um, which is very gnarly. Wouldn't yeah. recommend it. Yeah. So I, I was thinking about that. I've seen this uh, recently in some uh, some older apps that I've been working on, and uh, it's basically like using Ruby to meta program meta program JavaScript. Oh yeah, it's 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 ugly. Gnarly. You end up it's not very flexible. Um, yeah. you know, and you feel dirty when you on. do it, like you're typing and you're just like, what am I doing? Yeah. Well, I mean, l- I mean, luckily requests like this are pretty easy cause they're just, you know, rack style responses you right. know, with like some headers and status code and body and, you know, and you can, you can translate that Ruby into JavaScript pretty reliably, but it still does feel bad. Yeah. It feels, feels like you're doing something wrong. I, I, I've, I've seen code like that. I've likely written code like that and it's, yeah, it's rough. Anytime you're using, you're using any language, honestly, to generate any other language, it's starts getting a little a little rough in your application yeah well so fast forward i guess this has been like over a year now um and dustin ferris just uh got this pull re- request merged into pretender that adds promise support and his reasoning for using it it's also an excellent one we haven't run into this but uh we, we actually i think maybe talked about it one time that it would be great if mirage in your config could could return a promise that we could call somewhere else like like we were talking about a, mo- a mock api or something something else i don't know what his uh, rationale for wanting to use it, but it would be nice if uh, if Mirage's uh, handlers could be asynchronous to 
to uh, go out and you know call some other API or some other thing that maybe takes a little while to compute or something, uh, and then comes back and returns uh, a promise for that. Yeah, yeah, it, it seems it seems pretty cool. And uh, you and I were looking through the the code and uh, the code to make this change uh, to facilitate this change. Uh, wasn't that wasn't that wild? It was pretty simple. Like most of it was spent. Uh, like most of the actual like lines of code were spent on documentation and uh, and a test. So I mean that's pretty cool that it was so easily uh, added. I'm sure it was hard fought, but I mean it, it's very simple. I guess it looks simple. It's good. Yeah, and I mean this has been a, a pattern with Pretender. It's since Pretender has other things that uh, depend on it, um, and a lot of people using it. It's got a small job, and you know it's got to do that really well. And and so I can understand there's. There's a lot of you know uh, pushback if you try to just say I think Pretender should handle this. You've really got to be able to justify right. it. And I think that enough people over the last couple of years have run into this that it was like okay, yeah, that's that should that should be in here. Yeah, and you know I, I think I see it, maybe maybe this is a little biased because I like Mirage so much, um, but I feel like uh, most of the the changes in Pretender are being driven through um, people who are using Mirage. Like basically the need is coming up saying like, oh, wouldn't it be really great? I would be able to do this really cool thing in Mirage if you know, if only this thing. And that's a lot of how Pretender gets, um, you know, gets pull requests and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's a lot like, um, you know, cause there are people using Pretender specifically, just just Pretender. Right. Um, and cause they would work with anything. I mean, with, with Angular, React, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, whereas Mirage is specific to Ember right now. And the, uh, but it reminds me of the whole Elixir and Erlang relationship where it's like, you know, get off my lawn, all you little Elixir kids. <laughs> like, you know, you have, you all have right. a whole nother group of people who depend on it that want changes yeah. to it. Um, yeah. but they're not necessarily the changes that everybody want. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's cool to see this get merged in. Um, I know that there were some other features that helped you, um, long time ago when we were working, uh, uh when you were working on that project and, um, I don't know. It's just it's just cool to see this this come through. I'm pretty sure this is gonna unlock some cool stuff. Also, uh, as a side note, I looked through Dustin Ferris's um, blog. It's a Medium blog, uh, and I saw some really cool things that he's doing with Mirage and GraphQL. So I'm wondering if some of the uh, the changes uh, for this promise support were necessitated by um, by the work in his GraphQL stuff. Um, so I'm probably gonna ping somebody and see if I can't get in touch with them and, and figure out because uh, it seemed it seemed really interesting. Yeah, definitely. So uh, yeah, so we'll, po we'll post a link to the pull request so you can uh, check it out. And uh, I'm pretty sure the readme is updated. So uh, going to Pretender and, and uh, checking out the readme is, uh, you know, probably the best way to figure this out. All right. So uh, some big news this past week, um, a major uh, new package manager kind of appeared uh, called Yarn. Uh, and the cool thing about this is it's an open source project with like a lot of big companies behind it and all the major players in the uh, you know front-end JavaScript framework. So Facebook, Tilde, Google, and Exponent. Uh, Exponent is a cross-platform React Native library. So you, you write the same code and you get it for iOS and Android as opposed to React Native where you kind of write slightly different code for each um each, each each platform. Yeah, I find uh, I find the so this is kind of a, a ancillary note. Uh, I find that it's interesting that they chose Yarn because when I think of Yarn, and this probably goes to show you how little I know about knitting, um, but when I think of Yarn, uh, I think of a big jumble, a big ball of jumbled yarn, like string, basically, right? Yeah, I, I think of, I'm th I just think of like a sweater or something, and you're like pulling on a string, and the whole thing's unraveling. <laughs> like that's what I figure. Like like that's what dependency management is. Is just like yeah, yeah. just pull on that a little just, bit. Just, just pull on this for a little while. You'll be good. You'll be good. 
Um, anyways, it's uh, it's really it's really cool. I'm so excited about this. Um, as soon as I saw it on Twitter, uh, like basically, I had an entire day where I didn't have any political tweets in my timeline, which were oh my god, so so wonderful to not have that happen. Um, I just saw all these yarn tweets, and within an hour, I had a new lock file on Ember Weekend's uh, website, which man, we need to uh, we need to go through and upgrade that to the latest LTS. Um, but uh, it's um, it, I'm, I can't tell you how excited I am about it. Uh, the a lot of a lot of the inspiration for its decisions and, and all that stuff uh, is coming from very very well established uh, package managers in other ecosystems, uh, including Cargo and Bundler for uh, the Rust community and Ruby community. Uh, most of those are I think both of those are actually written by Yehuda, and he was he worked with uh, um, with everyone and this in this group effort. Uh, as well. So, uh, like I said, I'm so excited about this. This addresses so many concerns, and we're going to go through a couple of them uh, right now. What, what we should do is we should just go through kind of like the general idea, I think. Uh, basically, uh, Yarn uses a lock file to um, enable deterministic uh, installs. So, uh, once you've installed it one time, any subsequent installs with the lock file uh, will will work. Um, it also does some very sophisticating, uh, sophisticated caching uh, so the speed uh, improvements are there uh, in in subsequent runs. So like with a uh, with a warmed cache, uh, the installs can be you know seconds instead of you know like minutes. Yeah, uh, this was one of uh, the Facebook blog posts that came out talked specifically about. I think the two issues they had were performance um, and like uh, the non determinism, like other the broken builds basically because of different versions. And th read that blog post is really. Uh, it's 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 almost sad thinking about that we've been like everybody's been dealing with the same problem, but now multiply it by like a billion, um, and that's what they're having to deal with. And the way that they had to they ended up dealing with it for a while was by zipping up the node modules and putting them on a on an internal CDN so that the QA and developers all could get this reliable same versions and you know kind of fixes performance problems because they're all zipped up together and it, they're always the same you know uh, uh, version number. And I was like, wow, that was, they were actually having to do that. Like that, that is yeah. a huge problem. Yeah. And you, you know, um, so I never really dug into it. I've just always been, a, you know, a big fan or proponent of just, you know, blowing away the node modules directory every single time I want to install something, uh, which is the worst, by the way. Um, there was some really cool work uh, by Nolan Lawson with local NPM that helped address some of that. So if you could, you could non-bomb pretty effectively uh, against a local cache, so it's still relatively fast and works offline. Um, that's no longer uh, maintained, by the way. Uh, Yarn kind of solves a lot of those problems, but um, yeah, like I don't know. Uh, I like I said, I haven't I haven't really thought about I haven't really thought about how Node actually goes about installing things. And the reason it's not deterministic is that when it fetches against the registry, um, it, uh, it depending on which registry responds first or whatever, uh, you can end up with different directory structures, which seems like really crazy. Uh, yeah, like two, two developers installing the same thing, like at the same time, uh, could potentially get two different sets of node yeah, modules. Yeah, based off like network latency, I guess. I yeah. think that's the that's the, the bottleneck, yeah? I don't I, know. I have I don't no idea. I don't know I don't know if it's actually saying the order of which one responds from like the network request, right, or if it's saying yeah. that it's like, well, this one resolved to maybe because your node version or something, a different one than then you're, you know, the other person it pulled at the same time. But what for whatever reason, it's non-deterministic, and that's right. one of the big things that Yarn solves. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you know it's not deterministic, but why? That yeah. always has eluded me. I'm going to have to dig into that and figure out kind of like what Yarn specifically in that regard is solving. Um, 
But one of the cool things that they're able to do here, uh, and this is outlined in their blog um, in much greater detail, uh, they since they are able to have that lock file and query the registry first uh, during the resolution step, there's like phases. Uh, since they're able to do that, they can actually parallelize a lot of the um, the work. So th that's one of the reasons why even even with a cold cache, you still end up with much faster uh, installs. Wow, that's cool. Uh, so there, there's a lot of really cool stuff. Um, the one thing I, you brought this up actually. Uh, one thing is that it doesn't respect um, shrink wrap JSON or uh, like lock files, like yarn uh, not lock files. Yeah. So you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So this was. I mean, I, I guess I hadn't thought about it, but I was like, well, what happens if um, you know I have a specific dependency of my library and I check in my yarn dot lock? Uh, you know, what happens? Does does yarn specifically say, oh, this library needs this very specific version because I pinned to it, not necessarily because they, um, in their yarn file, uh, you know, uh, pinned to it, but because the, that would just happen to be what they installed when they tested. Um, and there's, there's reasons why that can't actually happen. Um, and I think, uh, Yehuda actually covered this in an issue. Uh, um, somebody, somebody brought this up and, uh, and he basically said that, um, uh, in bundler and in cargo, they ran into the same issue or they ran into the same question of whether or not it should and they both said no like um, and the reason is if you do that then you end up with a whole bunch of copies of things that are just small patch versions off and really the libraries could have dealt with the the change um, but because of lock files they would have you know they would have downloaded 10 or 10 or 15 copies of the same thing for no reason Right, exactly, and and it's like, well, you know, you're you're you still are as a library author, you still have to rely on Semver. Like that's still how that works. Um, so adding lock files could make um, dependency management if it's it's obliged. I think that it, it would make things more brittle, and yeah. uh, and and like you said, those duplicates, uh, you could end up downloading way, way, way more packages than you ever need. And for for large applications, that's a real concern. And yeah, one of the other things is Justin Searles mentioned this blog post that was talking about some of the trade-offs that are made with Yarn and, you know, things that are not quite ready yet or or things that, uh, like what you might want to use it for now um, and what you might want to avoid. And uh, one of the things that was mentioning was some of the downsides of uh, the shrink wrap. And shrink wrap actually uh, does respect the shrink wrap lock file. So you, I, I can only imagine that that means that you are you are downloading a ton of different versions of them. I don't see. I don't think that yeah. they're. No, it it would have to. Um, but but this could be an asset though. Um, because the guarantee with the shrink wrap uh, .json is that, uh, when this gets installed, if you have this enabled, uh, the directory exactly as it is when you're developing it is what a consumer will download. So in certain instances, I can imagine that being quite important. Um, you just get bigger. So, you just get bigger downloads um, with more assurance. So so that that right. that's kind of one of the trade offs that are that's being made. Uh, yeah. But I think it's it's a valid trade off, and it you know I think oh man for for determinism uh yeah I think this is a this is a small price to pay I think in certain situations um you're going to have to rely on that npm installer uh I, I can imagine um, some complex apps needing very 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 strict um, version guidelines and stuff um I I can totally see that still being a case but for the general case I think the fact that you can type yarn install. Uh, or is it just yarn? I think it's just yarn. Yeah, you just type yarn. I, I I think it's alias though, so there probably is a yarn install. Yeah, and there's some cool other flags that I, like I yarn mention. add was one of the other ones. That's npm install save dev the equivalent. Oh, cool, nice. So, um, yeah, so uh, you know, like for the determinism, man, I, I gotta say, I gotta say, uh, that alone seems worth the price of admission, and 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 you still have the you know the the ability to go, uh, um, 
you know, and, and do the old way if you if you have uh, app application requirements for that. Um, I think there's another thing we wanted to mention is that this is a drop-in replacement. Um, it uses the registry. It also supports multiple registry. It uses the NPM registry, and it also supports uh, multiple registries. So it can use Bower as well. Um, and I imagine GitHub. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah I would imagine so. Um, so it, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty sophisticated. Um, I do believe that it goes through Yarn servers still. I think I saw that somewhere. I'm not 100%, so don't quote me on that. But if that's the case, then there could be Yarn only packages in the future? Question mark. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know what the difference would be. I think I think the the the, the general idea here is that Yarn wants to uh, to really like basically be uh, just a better npm uh, npm client. But if it has its own possibility for having its own registry, I feel like that could you know mean something. <laughs> I don't really know. I'm kind of uh, this is this is me just thinking out loud so to speak right let's 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 just speculate for a little while yeah yeah um but it's it's really cool uh there's some cool things uh you can check out licenses of your installed packages with yarn license uh there's some other really neat things i don't know i'm super excited about this and honestly this uh so uh two two things one uh, the organization around the open source aspect of yarn is uh top notch so it follows the same rfc process as ember and it, um, it's a, I think it's BSD license. Uh, so it's like actually open, open, not kind of open, but like actual open source software, uh, which makes me feel comfortable that it might actually survive and be a, you know, a really good boon to the JavaScript ecosystem. Um, and yeah, I think I had two things, didn't I? I don't know. Was that the first one, Chase? That was probably the last one. Yeah, all right. It's the last one. <laughs> no, yeah, so I, I'm I'm really excited to have um, the idea that there's going to be one new package manager. That it seems like, I mean, if Facebook's on board, that's React, you know, Google with Angular, and you know, Tilde with Ember. Uh, that that's like the top three. So I I can only imagine that this is going to get you know a lot of support and hopefully be the way, and it won't be a lot of squabbling about it. And that's going to be something really weird to see in the JavaScript community. Yeah, like everybody come together on one solution, like all of a well, sudden. You know, it makes total sense, though. Like, I can't tell you how many times Nambomb has had to happen. I, I wish there was a counter. Yeah, what was, what was somebody was saying? Um, they were they were quoting how many times packages have been installed or something, and and they were like, yeah, but how many of those were you know RMRF node modules? Yeah, yeah. Um, totally, totally. So this is really exciting. Um, it doesn't have anything specific to do with Ember except for uh, the ecosystem that Ember resides in. Uh, so hopefully you uh, forgive us for for fanning it up over here on Yarn. So. Yeah, but go, go check it out. I mean, it's it's easy to do. I mean, it'll take literally five minutes to check it out and see how much, you know, if there's a performance improvement, um, you know, uh, not much to lose. You know, we just blow away the file. Yeah. Oh, oh, and, and just to read the uh, their shrink wrap discussion, uh, there was a, the, the final consensus there is basically use Yarn for applications and don't for packages or libraries. Um, so I, I think that there are trade-offs there, but that seems to be the general rule of thumb that people are talking about right now. Are you, are you saying you use Yarn for them? At, or are you saying don't check in your lock file? Or are you saying don't use Yarn at all for libraries? Uh, so libraries probably shouldn't have a lock file. Okay, yeah. But, you, but using Yarn is still good for like development purposes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I probably would. Yeah. I would probably just exclude it. You can. There's actually an exclude um, flag where you can do Yarn and it'll install the lock file locally, but it will uh, add it to... Uh, gets exclude, but not in Git ignore. It's like a excluded, another thing. So it doesn't go into Git ignore, and it doesn't go into interesting. Yeah. All right. 
Just never, I'm gonna have to look existed. more into that. Uh, I, I saw some stuff, uh, but I haven't actually tried that yet because I want to track the lock file for most of the things that I use. But right, all right, but yeah, check out Yarn. It's super exciting. Um, there's so much literature about it already, and I think that uh, you know, as they close issues, which they're closing just a tremendous number of issues, um, the team uh, at Yarn is doing a phenomenal job. Uh, there's going to be just a whole lot of room for advancement here, uh, and the more people are using it, the better it gets. Uh, all right. And that's all we have for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week to correct all of the things we got wrong this week. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. That's a thing. It's a thing. Now we're making the thing uh, correction corner. Yeah. The more in depth we go into a, into a subject, the more time we have to allot for this yep. like, correction. Time. It's true. Yeah. I, I was about to say, this is, this is a, this is a longer episode, man. You know, that, you know, we're going to have to have a long episode next time just to get corrections. Hey, do we recurse on corrections? Do we correct our corrections? Um, no, I mean, it's like a correction.lock. Um, okay. We don't yeah. respect the, the corrections.lock. Of, of I like it. Correction. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And uh, if you'd like to follow along, tune, us, uh, tune in uh, on Twitter at uh, Ember Weekend, all one word. Or uh, if you'd like to uh, hook us up to your podcast reader, our RSS is emberweekend.com slash feed.xml. And we will be back next week. See you next weekend.